You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. I'm Georgia Hart, Principal Consultant at Middleton Executive and your guest host. I'm passionate about all things product and tech and can't wait to explore some amazing topics with Australia's top product leaders. Joining me today is Lauren Kish and Evan Ravensdale from 99designs by Vista. Evan is Senior Product Director, who is a longtime product manager and leader with experience working across a variety of products and markets. He is passionate about building teams that are truly empowered, learn rapidly through experimentation, and are connected to customers and users. Lauren moved to San Francisco in 2011 and was hired as employee number one by the music discovery app Will Call. She was joined, she joined to lead the business development, operations, events, and marketing efforts. She moved into a product role there before joining Ticketfly, who we now know as Eventbrite, where she has been blurring the lines between product and operations. She's back with us now in Melbourne, where she is product operations lead at 99 Designs. So hello to the both of you. Hello. Thanks for having hey, us. Hey, Georgia. Yeah. Lovely to be here. You made us sound so important. I know. More important. <laughs> <laughs> And look, I'm really excited to talk to you today about the how, the why, and the value of product operations, which is a pretty new practice in Australia. Um, before we do that, do you mind just telling us a little bit more about yourselves? You can fight to go who goes first. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Um, yes, as, as you mentioned, thank you for that lovely intro. Um, I'm Lauren. I live here in Melbourne in Northgate. Um, I've got a little baby who's almost two, so I suppose that means he's a toddler now. Um, I love music um, and food. I, I think, I suppose, in terms of my professional career, prior to getting to 99 Designs, I did work predominantly um, with product teams who were building um, products and services for the live events and music kind of communities and, and venues and promoters. So that's sort of my background. Um, but it's exciting to sort of have landed here at 99 Designs where creators are still at sort of the core of what we do um, and a very, very important um, part of, of our business. Um, so, yeah, that's me in a very quick nutshell. Uh, cool. And, yeah, I don't know. What about me? I like to run when I'm not working. Uh, I have two kids as well and uh, and a wife and uh, we spend a lot of time at the swimming pool. Both my kids are really, really good swimmers. So uh, you'll find me awake at all hours of the morning uh, dealing with that, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I worked at uh, Census years back. Uh, I had the fortunate opportunity to really kind of guess reinvent myself as a product person in that time, working with a team from IDEO who came out and consulted with us. And I still think that, their approach was so unique and so different uh, in terms of how they, you know, rather than come and try and extract all the knowledge from us, they went out and spoke to people in the field and we didn't see them for the first two weeks of their engagement. And I think that just speaks to 
you know, where I've gone hopefully since in my career in terms of the customer centricity and what it really means to speak to customers. Uh, and hopefully you'll see that in the discussion today as we'll talk a little bit about the ways that product operations helps us do that. Uh, I've also worked on enterprise SaaS software. I'm now in 99designs looking at you know, two-sided marketplaces and the complexities that come with that. I love a good challenge. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of why, why I'm here, but it's it's awesome to work for a company that really elevates people around the world and, and brings that opportunity for them to do work and, and make, I think, make the world a better place through fabulous design. And I'm really keen to get ready and unpack all of this. So um, look, product ops as a function makes things more efficient for the product team and other parts of the organization. So Lauren, this is probably a good question for you, given that you're product ops. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what a product operations actually is? What does it mean? What do you do? <laughs> I don't know. Some days I ask myself that question. No, um, it is it, it is sort of more of a burgeoning function, I suppose, here in Australia. It's a little bit more established, I suppose, um, in San Francisco and other parts um, of the US. But I suppose it can product operations can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, depending on the type of company that you're at, the stage of the company, the scale. Um, we use the analogy here that, you know, the product operations team PM the product team. So like we need to really intrinsically understand what the team problems are, um, like the outcomes they're trying to work towards and sort of if there are inefficiencies or issues that how can we kind of, help make interventions to kind of make their lives a little bit easier. Um, something that's quite true to what I'm doing currently at, at 99designs is sort of streamline a scaling function. So, for example, at 99designs, there were four development teams not too long ago. We've now got 12 development teams. So with that comes, um, you know, complexity around how we want to work, how we want to communicate and the processes and sort of practices that we need to employ both as a product team but also um, sort of cross-functionally with um Tech, uh, engineering and, and design and, and and so on. So, yeah, there are kind of a few descriptors that we use. Also, another one that I kind of like is like where the glue that binds teams across the organization together. Maybe that's making myself sound a bit better than what I actually am, but that's something that's kind of core of how I sort of think about it. how do I help build better bridges and better ways of working with other functional areas that maybe, um, you know, haven't, we haven't needed to when we were a bit smaller, we could just sort of organically have conversations Um around around the office so but yeah i think at the core of it, a product operations person or team should understand what the biggest problem or inefficiency is at the time sort of swarm on that sort of fix that and then once that's done ideally if we're doing our job well we can sort of leave that to sort of function operate on its own and move on to what the, the organization or the business sort of has the most need for um at, at the time yeah, so you've sort of answered my next question there of what's the value behind product ops. I think we can all see the value in any organization with having a, you know, a specific team that's handling all of that. So Evan, when did you decide or feel that there was a need for a product ops team at 99designs? How did that come about? Yeah, it probably start, it started about three years ago in reality when I started running our product planning process myself. and. Uh, self-proclaimed not good at administration tasks. So doing something really structured like that um, was not only challenging for me, but it, I, I guess it was a really humbling and uh, empathy-based experience of seeing just how hard it is to coordinate a large group of people. And it was, you know, as Lauren said, it was only about four, four engineering teams at that point in time. And 
you know, I found it incredibly difficult and I was like, oh, I definitely need support. And I called on people to help out and I would grab, you know, PMs within the team and then they're doing their day job and helping with this. Uh, and, you know, people, some people would be passionate about it. Some would be like, oh, I don't, you know, I'd rather just focus on the customer problems. And, and so you always felt like you had big borrowing and stealing from different places. And, and then as we went through the process of, of beginning to scale, it just became evident that it wasn't really feasible. So I think you can do a lot yourself. Uh, from a product operations perspective in in a smaller organization and it's a great way to learn but that moment of when it was like oh hang on a minute <laughs> how do we how do we go from six teams to 12 teams in under a year and what are the the, the challenges that we're going to face in how we work uh, and coordinating all of that and making sure people align to strategy etc because it just became really evident that we needed someone who was passionate about helping product teams do great work and, and was passionate about process and detail. And, and Lauren is exactly that, um, but also has the ability to see the broader strategy and, and convert that into the ways in which we work and create that alignment uh, and communication across the business. And, and just, and I've worked in really large organizations and I know what the, the struggles of that is <laughs> when you get to that size. And actually the, I think the growing pains is, is even harder because you're asking people to change what they do, how they do it on a, on a continual basis. And so like that was really the, the jarring moment when I realized actually we need to help people. We need to take that pain out of their lives and make the change process simpler and enter Lauren. <laughs> so what have you seen have been the biggest improvements by implementing a, a product ops team or implementing Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, look, there's been lots. There's been lots of things and we've only been on this journey for a short period of time, but even just some of the fundamentals of, of removing administration from product managers and product designers and engineers' lives in terms of the practicalities of planning and, and, and activities that you do on a regular basis and just simplifying it so that you can spend less and less time on that and more time solving the problems that, that people, that's like, why do we do the job we wanna do? It's because we wanna solve those problems and we wanna be successful. And all of that administration gets in the way. So we've already seen people like first step happier in, in having more time to do the work that they want to do. I'd also say they've been more ambitious. So taking that pain away has meant people do feel more confident about the kinds of goals that they set for themselves and a willingness to measure those goals and, and have open and honest conversations about it. So it has kind of created uh, these avenues for, for different types of conversations to emerge because we're not bogged down in, um, you know, trying to get administration done and reports out and all of that kind of stuff uh, that, that often can prevent you from dealing with what's the, what's the important problem that you should be solving. And I think, you know, look, there's some, there are others. The last one I would really mention is transparency. And so a lot of the work Lauren has done through some level of standardization, like we haven't been rigid to like, eh, you must do it this way. Mm -hmm. We've just been like, hey, Let's build templates together. Let's work out the process together. And, and it's been great to see people adopt those things. But by doing that, we've actually created this really transparent environment where people are putting all of their plans on the table. They're putting all their results on the table. It's open for discussion. And it's really changed the conversation. And it's probably something that I didn't really expect when I started on this journey, but it's been a, a really delightful benefit of, of having, having that functions, you know, begin to, to develop in the business. Do you think that a, a product ops um, 
yeah, product op uh, function would benefit any size business or do you see it really having the most impact in a larger organization? Maybe Lauren, you, you'll know that from working in different sized organizations. I think like it's a really fine line, like to Evan's point, we want to standardize and give guidelines and guardrails as much as possible without sort of overstepping. So it's this fine line of understanding when that sort of additional help is really needed. Um, and I think it also depends on, you know, if you are a smaller organization, what types of people do you have there? Like maybe you've got really, really senior sort of principal PMs. They might have done this before and they might sort of organically and naturally take some of these tasks on and like, you know, detail some of these things um, by virtue of their job. Um, but I think it does get harder the bigger you get and the more complexity there is with the multiple squads. And we have squads, we have four groups, we have now 12 squads, um, which is quite large. So yeah, I think it it really depends. I think I'd love to say that if you're a bit smaller, that you still have the tenacity and the makeup to maybe do it yourself or figure it out, lay the foundations for something. Um, but I think there's definitely like a, a tipping point where that's no longer feasible um, for, you know, the for regular product, heads of product or principal PMs to do that any longer because they do need to be focused on talking to customers and they do need to be out there on the front lines working with, you know, you know our support teams or our sales teams. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a fine line of knowing when that tipping point is, but there's definitely a tipping point, I think. And how did you go about establishing a product ops or sorry, establishing product operations in the business? Yeah, as, as I've said, I, we're still very early on in the journey. So I'm, I'm seven months in. Um, so I'm still learning a lot and taking it all in, which I think is really the important like phase of actually establishing the function. It's like if we are the PM of the product team, we've got to go, we've got to hit the pavement and do our discovery and really, really learn and, and sort of build empathy and relationships with our customers who are the PMs or the group PMs or the senior engineering managers and really understand where that where we're currently at, what's the current landscape and what are sort of some of the pain points or needs that kind of exist currently. Obviously the planning, um, quarterly planning and our planning process was something that was a, a, a big kind of, I suppose, um, a big initial focus and it still continues to be because I think when you unpack that, so much is included in quarterly planning. It's not just kind of two weeks into the quarter, here, go away, do some work. Here's some workshop templates you can go and use and share it out. There's a lot more that's laid into that. There's all these other sort of ancillary processes and practices that sort of feed into that. So as I've kind of gone, embarked on this discovery phase and learned stuff, I'm kind of finding all these other kind of routes that I can sort of look at. So in terms of establishing the function, I've kind of started building relationships and that empathy with, with people across the business outside of the technical teams as well. Got the lay of the land, really tried to kind of understand that. So that's my sort of discovery phase. Then I've sort of looked at, okay, what is the best way? What, how do I prioritize some of this stuff? How do I prioritize some of these learnings and sort of put in a plan of action and start actually executing or, or delivering on some of these things? And so I suppose a really good example of that for me was understanding where we were at currently with the planning process, the planning cycles, doing retros, sitting down with a lot of the participants and, and doing an actual retro, learning from that, and then taking those learnings and starting to sort of iterate and sort of make a few changes, again, to Evan's point, in partnership with those people that were participating. So bringing them along for the ride and bringing them along for sort of the development cycle, as it were, um, and then launching and then encouraging feedback throughout. So and I think that's sort of one way to establish the function. I'm still just a singular person, but we'll hopefully grow the team soon and um, we can take on more initiatives outside of planning. But I think it's like very much similar to what a product person would do. Build your relationships, understand who your key customers are, 
discover like what their pain points and needs are, start iterating, but learning as you're going and like come back and, and change course if you need to and make little changes as you go. And so I'm, this is my second round of planning now that we're kind of going through and we've kind of made changes and adapted and based on the retro, the feedback that we've gotten, kept kind of making those iterative improvements to it. And, and I would add, I'd add to that, like from my perspective, trying to set this as a new, a new function and a, a new role that exists within 99 was also about kind of paving what's the, what does the roadmap look like for this particular, uh, you know, department within our organization. And so we really did, you know, as Lauren's articulated, we, we focused on our product planning because we saw a lot of opportunity to improve what we were doing. We, we really wanted to align to our business strategy and get that piece really humming along. Uh, and it's something we've been trying to do really well and we're still on that journey as you've kind of heard but that was a good first step we then want to like evolve that from not just like just planning like cool we all do it it's a thing but there's other things that we were looking at like continuous discovery so processes outside of of the normal ones that a business would expect but can add real value to a product team and and so um, how do we scale that our continuous discovery process which started in one squad and then expanded into a group so we had two or three squads working in that way and now the rest of uh, our product team is actually really really keen to figure out how we adopt that across the organization so i think scaling those additional you know uh, you know services capabilities that we want our teams to leverage is almost for us like the second step so like improve what we're doing well help us introduce new capabilities and then the third piece was really maybe it's a little bit tailored to us because we were acquired by Vistaprint a bit over a year ago. But I could certainly see on our horizon, and I think even as organisations grow, all of these additional stakeholders, all of these other moving parts, different different people with different plans, and how does that all sync up and come together so that we are all progressing towards the same vision? And for me, product ops is as much a connector and communicator of what what are we doing and what else is happening broadly out in the product development community that is relevant to us that we need to connect with and so it helps us i guess determine where we should spend our time and who we should work with uh, and and what's the best way for us to engage on that so i guess that's like the three horizons that that i had laid out when i was talking to um, the broader business about why bringing someone like lauren in would be hugely beneficial yeah, that really aligns nicely with an episode I recorded uh, with Dino, who is the co-founder at Hello Monday. And we were talking about how you align business strategy and product strategy. And I suppose having someone like Lauren in the business is that kind of bridge between, you know, senior leadership team, CEO, founders, and, and the product team and sending that message and making sure that it's, you know, I guess implemented and listened to when you're building out the product strategy. So Love it. And do you think anyone could take on a product ops role? Can, you know, any product manager, you know, if they're looking for a bit of a change, transition into product ops, or does it take a particular kind of skill set and person (laughs) to be able to want to handle that role? Yeah, well, well, look, I think think you have to come, like, I think the job description even had a title, which is a bit weird, but like a servant leader. So you have to, you have to like sort of, be open to sort of quietly influence and lead without necessarily sort of, I don't know, being overly dominant or domineering, if that makes sense. So I think that's definitely in product managers' wheelhouses. It's sort of, it touches on program management a little bit, 
Um, you know, it, it, you could come from, I think, a variety of backgrounds, maybe more of an analytical background, like a BA or a business analyst or something like that. Um, but I think it is, there are what might be considered softer skills um, to it around like, your communication style, the way you um, can sort of build relationships and sort of, yeah, quietly influence and lead. Like I'm not a direct people manager right now, um, but I do feel like a role like this, I've seen it work really well with other people in product operations who um, have these sort of innate qualities around um, leading through empathy and and, and solid relationships. Um, so, yeah, which I think, product people definitely have that. Like they have to be absolute great listeners and communicators and manage so many different types of people, like in their day-to-day role. Like I'm to your point earlier, um, George, like I am dealing with senior leadership and trying to analyze and synthesize some of the stuff that's coming through them around strategy and strategic objectives, but then also get down in the weeds with, you know, the customer support leads who are on the front lines and understand their needs and how can product as an organization become better partners to them. So it is, um, yeah, there is a skill around like listening and learning and sort of managing different types of voices, which a product person, product manager definitely has to do in their general day-to-day role, I think. Um, yeah. Awesome. Oh, I was, I was going to add to that. <laughs> Happy to add to that. I think, you know, when I was, when I was looking for people um, during, during the process to find Lauren, you know, we looked at project managers, BAs, scrum masters, agile coaches, program did I say program managers? Maybe I already said that. A variety of different roles. And I think <clears throat> all of them have the potential to, to deliver a, a good experience. And they come with different strengths and weaknesses based on, on what they what people may or may not have done. Uh, I think Lauren's hit on a lot of the really key points, you know, being empathy-led, being transparent, being strong with stakeholders. Uh, all all those things are really necessary. Probably the one thing I would say, uh, and it was actually, I was thinking about this this morning and the best way that I would describe it is if you're going to be a sales coach, then salespeople want to know that you've carried carried the bag and that you've, you've stood in front of a customer and you've asked for a contract or you've asked for the sale and you know what that experience feels like. And so I do think to be successful in product operations, you need to have at least worked you know, ideally within a product development team, or you need to have definitely been a participant in how those teams work and 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 been at the ground level of, of of observing and participating in all of the rituals and all of the things that you're trying to do because it just brings a lot of credibility uh, to to how you will approach that problem. So, for me, I think yeah, definitely, there's lots of people that could do it. I think the best space is going to be people who have got that hands-on experience and. Have, have worked in teams. So, you know, could be engineers, could be designers, could be PMs, BAs, all those kinds of roles, I think, as long as you've you've carried the bag, so to speak. Yeah, interesting. And so I think what some of our listeners would really love to hear about from both of you is what has been some of your greatest achievements, either in this product operations role or even prior to that or even outside of work? <laughs> um, I, I, I can jump in. Uh, I mean, I've, I think building the team we have at 99, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that's sort of one of the greatest achievements we really, over the past 18 months, have put together a fabulous team and the ways of working. Not that I'm trying to recruit anyone who's listening, but, you know, great place to work. Uh, we have an incredible team and I'm super excited about what comes next uh, in our journey. Yeah, I hate using those, those kinds of sayings, but anyway, I said it. Um, but also, like I said, I was privileged to work with 
uh, IDEO back many years ago now, and we built a product called Skip, which I was a founding team member of, which if you're in Melbourne or Sydney, uh, you know, it helps you order coffee and food in the morning. And it was just done in such a different and unique way and probably didn't achieve all of the success that we wanted, but the experience of of being a part of a group that was completely autonomous and given the freedom to work in a different way, um, to, to build rapid prototypes in 24 hours and just get out and show it to people and, and be in the field in a time when we could be in the field mm-hmm. safely uh, was just brilliant. And I I will always fondly remember, you know, the things that we, we did and we achieved and, uh, you know, like that's just been a fabulous career highlight for me. And I think I've tried to carry carry parts of that experience with me through every other job that I've done since. And Lauren? Yeah, I think for me, I've got a, I've got a couple. Um, I think when I was at Worldcall, which was sort of a small discovery, music discovery app, so you could launch the app and then that morning and then see what shows are on in San Francisco, Los Angeles or New York for that night or that weekend or whatever. Um, that company was acquired by Ticketfly, so I jumped through heaps of acquisitions. But whilst I was there, we launched this product that was called bar tab and it was using all this like bluetooth light energy like which was going to be this next hot thing back in the day and we had to sort of do this holistic launch around making sure that the product was working from a technical standpoint the software was working make sure that the hardware was all (laughs) everything was like firing on all cylinders for that but also there was this massive event that was kind of that culminated for the launch of it around like literally using it at a bar with a bunch of djs and bands playing and so it was this very um, concerted effort from, we were a small scrappy, small scrappy startup. I hate to use again, some more analogies, but we were, um, and we were sat there on the evening, three engineers were on the floor in like the back room, like fixing things on the fly. We were managing the relationship with the actual vendor, like the, the venue and the vendors. Then we were kind of making sure the artists are running on time. So it was this culmination of all these, you know, comedy things that could have been a comedy of errors, this chaos coming together for this beautiful launch of, months of work um, for us as this sort of team. Um, and it was just, yeah, it just sticks on. It was like a very poignant moment sitting on the dirty floor of a club at 2 a.m. trying to reconcile. Did all these tabs get closed out? Did all the money go through properly? Like, ah, like, uh, did the band get paid? Are the, inter- am I, are the interns, do they get home safely? So it was like this whole, like, massive thing. And that that was six out as, like, a really important um, time um, in my journey, like, and that's probably what led me down deeper down to like a more of a product operations sort of role. One other thing that was also touching on having sort of walked in the shoes of like a product person. I, um, I don't know if you've heard of a big experience in the desert called Burning Man, but they're a big client of ours at a previous company, and I was sort of the product ops sort of lead on, on that account. Um, and every year there's a massive big uh, ticketing on sale um, where anything that could go wrong, like there's a massive, you know, s- demand far out, out, out exceeds supply. Exceeds supply. Um, and there's a lot of technical work that has to happen to support these massive on sales. And so it was sort of on me to make sure that, you know, all the different engineers had tested and, you know, t- tested every potential like, you know, flow, all the, you know, third-party um, products that we'd integrated with to kind of manage these queues were integrated correctly. Um, customer support on the front lines were ready to take, you know, any crazy calls that we were getting because it was just such a massive undertaking. And we had like war rooms. I also hate war analogies, so apologies for that. But we had a massive war room where it was this massive cross-functional effort to really support these on sales where you had to be in absolute tr- like this trust, sort of trusted state with 
bunch of different engineers, bunch of different like customer support crew, operations crew. So yeah, it sticks out as another really important moment in my career because we definitely screwed it up a few years prior. So making sure that it would run smoothly, like, you know, like smooth as butter was really, really important. And yeah, I just remember us all sitting there very uh, anxiously awaiting to make sure it went off without a hitch. So yeah. I never realised, Lauren, that you could get me into Burning Man. I was just about to say the same thing. (laughs) It's on my bucket list. (laughs) It's definitely worth going to. I worked it four years in a row, but, um, uh, yeah, tickets are very scarce. But it was, yeah, it was a very important moment, I think, to your point around, like, walk, like understanding what are the pain points of the engineers, like how stressed are they trying to implement all these things. Customer support crew on the front line are, like, at the phones ready for, like, this you know, to be inundated by angry customers who couldn't or angry Reddit people on Reddit complaining about Burning Man tickets, you know, again. So, yeah, it was a very, very good time. Okay. Good time. Very nervous. Very good time. <laughs> Hopefully everyone was able to have a good time once they got there. Those exactly. Yes, of course. <laughs> and, um, Does anyone what? not have a good time at Burning Man? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should move top. There's a few dark cabins. Of, yeah, go on. But I think most people absolutely enjoy the experience, yes. I've only ever heard good things from any of my friends that have gone. Uh, my time will come. What's mm-hmm. um, What's been one of your biggest obstacles that you've had to overcome? I can I can take this. I suppose um, I think for me it's less sort of career. Well, it's, when I did move to San Francisco, for me it was like re-establishing myself and like having to build a network from scratch. And so it was really hard and really challenging. And like I. Just, quite quite depressing for the first year or two like I landed there and didn't really know anyone and had to negotiate my way through getting a, a visa and like re-establishing myself when I think I was like 30 at the time no no it's not old but it wasn't that young either when you're sort of out you know post-university kind of in that in that mode so I had to re-establish myself and my both personal and then my professional network um and so I think of that as both a challenge and something that was really great as well um t- definitely took a bit of time but it was definitely an obstacle like how do I navigate a new city and a new way of like, I hadn't been exposed to Silicon Valley and startup culture prior to getting there. So I had to really kind of quickly build relationships and put myself out there. And yeah, I think that was something that was quite challenging, quite rewarding in the end, obviously, because I managed to do it, but it was, it was definitely an obstacle and a challenge to yeah reassert myself and figure out how to, yeah, go get my career going over there with very little, um, yeah, with a very little network. Yeah, I think anyone that's an expat in Australia can definitely be able to relate to that. I certainly can. I hated my six month, first six months in Australia. I was like, what have I done? Yeah, why am I here? Why can't I just go home now? Yeah. I've got no friends. I spent all my travel money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't do anything. But no, it definitely all works out in the end, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. For me, it was, uh, I had this moment years ago where I realized that um, people people would talk about wanting to change and wanting to do things differently and what they were really saying is I don't <laughs> and um, I'd like I said I had this opportunity to sort of reinvent myself and I, I had really thrown myself into you know not just the experience that I had with Skip but then how do I apply this in lots of different places and I found myself like just running into walls every single time. And I was trying to inspire my my teams and my people to, to take on these tasks. And uh, I think it, it took me probably a couple of years to figure out how to translate from like what I had learned to do into how do I lead that inspires others to, to work in the same way and to, to seek the same benefits that I had seen from what we had done. Because it was at a time when, you know, we'd been through 
go back 20 years, companies like ThoughtWorks were reinventing how organizations in Melbourne and, and Sydney, I guess, across Australia were thinking about agile, agile development. And that whole sort of wave was coming through. And then it was really at the beginning of the design thinking phase where I had started to think, oh, this is this is definitely a really interesting way of approaching product. And, and I really just dove headfirst into it. And a lot of people were super interested, but I think you were just confronted by what do you mean I have to go and talk to a customer? Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to step outside my comfort zone. I was like working in a spreadsheet in, you know, at my desk. And, and so it's just like risk-taking is a fundamental part of product development and, and working in a product team. And I think it took me a little while to figure out how to help people get beyond that, that perceived risk that they had of, of whatever it was that they were doing. And, you know, I've, had, I've got lots of examples that I won't dive into of, of these sort of individual moments with people where I'm like, why don't you just do this thing? It seems so obvious to me that they were just, they were just strangled and held back by, by fear and by risk of failure. And um, it's it sort of organizational cultures had, had made this that way. And, and it was so hard to break. It was so hard to bring a new way of working to a team of people. Um, when it wasn't a huge industry wave that was rolling through and, and where executives are willing to adopt things. So I think being, being in that position where you're at the beginning of a journey when you're trying to adopt something new like that has definitely, I think, been my biggest career challenge. And, you know, it was not the first, <laughs> my first attempts were not successful. Um, <laughs> and I still think we, I still think I'm challenged in many ways, but, um, you know, that's, that's the ongoing the ongoing challenge of product management is to always bring about change and find new ways. Yeah, and I'd say that's similar with what we're trying to work through with product ops, right? Like any new practice or process that we want to kind of introduce, it's like how do we do it in the most considered way? How do we start, the, you know, the team on the journey to maybe build the bet, bet, better habits? Like I think about even like how we approach like product planning and OKRs, like let's build the habit of, you know, to using this framework and writing objectives, but let's also build the habit of tracking them and checking in. So it's like, yeah, like how do we kind of um, go about changing things and moving people in the right direction without, whilst making them still to feel comfortable, but also pushing them out of their comfort zone a little bit. I think that's something that I have to sort of think about every day with stuff that we're trying to implement um, and, you know, introduce. I mean, and Lauren won't know this, and I'll tell her now in this podcast, but <laughs> when I first advertised her role, people were like, what do we need that for? What kind of role is this? That seems ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I've subsequently heard that, you know the same voices who who were questioning why we would have this are like oh wow now I <laughs> now I see it now I'm enjoying the benefit of it it makes a lot of sense and we should have done this a lot earlier so um, yeah sometimes you sometimes you have to gently nudge people sometimes you just got to crash through that's the joys of being a leader isn't it sometimes you just have to put up with some unhappy faces <laughs> yep <laughs> how uh, how can people stay connected with you and reach out to you if they have any questions. Uh, I mean, happy. I field whatever responses on on LinkedIn. Generally, that's probably the easiest place from a professional standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share our LinkedIn details and yeah, hit us up. Questions, comments, feels. We'll put it all in the show notes. And lastly, both of you, what would be one your one piece of advice for product managers? I think for me, it's just be curious and sort of open, like to continually like learn and evolve. Don't sort of get stuck or stagnated in 
old ways of thinking or thinking that maybe what you've done in the past is always going to work. Um, just be yeah, curious and sort of constantly open to adapt and, and change when needed. Yeah, I think what do they say? Doing the same thing over and over again is the definition and expecting Immediacy, a different result yeah. is the <laughs> definition of insanity. Yeah, insanity, um, yeah. So, so yeah, be be curious, be willing to try new things, um, push the boundaries. Hopefully you find yourself in an organization with leaders and people around you that are supportive and open to that. Um, because that's yeah, I I think we have to just keep evolving, keep changing, keep pushing. Absolutely. Well, look, both of you, it was amazing to have you on the product edge today. And I look forward to seeing you around. Yeah, Absolutely. awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Georgia. Thank you for listening to The Product Edge, brought to you by Middleton Executive. You can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.